What's up, my guy? Chilling, man. Another episode of Aftermath, another great interview, man. So today on deck, we have author, professor, Nika Kabiri. She's like someone who debunks conspiracies. So I want to get all into it with her, man. Let's let's bring her in. Let's talk um, to her. Can you explain to the audience just exactly what decision you teach that? So what is what exactly decision science is and also what you had to do to become an expert in that field? Yeah, yeah. So what it is is basically it's the study of two things. Like on the one hand, it's how we should be making decisions. So a lot of what I like help my clients with and and examine is how to set up your what they call a choice architecture. How do you set up, how do you set your yourself up to make the best choices? So it's very like, what are you supposed to do? And then the other half of it is basically like a study of how we actually do make decisions, which is pretty messed up a lot of the time. So it's really just examining all the ways we mess up. We use biases, we make take mental shortcuts. We get influenced by people when we shouldn't. Um, so that's, that's what I study, that's what I teach. Um, and I teach it in the context of communications. So um, ethical communications or um, how communications can help you or influence your decision-making, including the media, um, business content, things like that. And then, um, yeah, so to get here, let's see, how did I get here? I, <laughs> I studied um, sociology in graduate school and happened to be um, lucky enough to get um, pulled into a department where rational choice theory was um, a big deal. So I worked with some academics who were really into choice theory and using economic models of, of choice making to um, understand human behavior, to understand, you know, all sorts of things from war to protest to, um, I don't know, even just, I mean, it's applied to relationships. It's, it's all of it. And from there, I just really got interested in the idea of just how so much of where we are and what we're what we're up against in life has to do with decisions that people made in the past. It's not like some force of nature that got us here. Like people made choices that got us here. And what choices can we make now to get us to a better place? So that's just all of that in a nutshell. Whoops, in a very long nutshell. Sorry, I just dropped my mic here. Not not intentionally, not in that way, not intentionally. It's totally yeah, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's I Sunday, like man. I dropped the it's, mic on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, in a minute, I'll drop so, it for real, but not not this time. No, we're on the way to doing that right now. So, Nick, let me ask you. So, let's get into another thing that you're well versed in, which is some of the the conspiracies that float around online and beyond. So, let's talk about the current pandemic for a second from the vaccine to even wearing masks. What's the biggest conspiracy that you've seen that you look at it and you know it's just preposterous when it comes to the pandemic? Um, I, it's like, I don't know. It's like asking you, asking me to choose like my favorite musician or my favorite baby. Like they're so, they're equally preposterous to me. It's hard to choose, do you know what I mean? Like it's hard to, um, I think it's, uh, I can tell you which, which ones, oh my gosh. How do you, I mean, how do you choose? On the one hand, there's a rejection of scientific research, which I understand to some extent, like some skepticism and hesita hesitancy, but, um, but to believe that there's like, that Bill Gates is injecting us with stuff or um, that um, I, I don't get why people think that COVID is just like the flu and it's not a big deal. Um, I don't understand why people think that masks don't work. Um, and I don't know, like, where do you start? I mean, what do you guys think? It's all kind of nuts, right? Yeah, I think the yeah. microchip one is probably the most out of pocket one I've heard about. Yeah. Oh, well, if you take the vaccine, they're going to there's a microchip that goes into your body so they can track you. Like I've never, I don't even know if they make microchips that small, but. <laughs> I don't either. I kind of wonder like who came up with that? Like who, who came up, where did that idea even come from? I kind of wonder sometimes. 
But I think that the important part is, is that you get this information and then it forms your decisions. And if it's bad information, you're making bad decisions. And in the case of COVID, it's not bad decisions for you. It's for everybody. It's for your grandparents. It's for parents. It's for everybody. Um, yeah, it's kind of nutty. I think some of the hesitancy I understand, like some of it, I that I get, but those conspiracy theories are, are kind of crazy. For me, it was a for me, it's the mass thing. Like, okay, so let's say, for instance, that there is a problem. I mean, my brother talk about this all the time. So let's say for a second that the mask turns out to be something that didn't work. The biggest inconvenience is that you wore a piece of cloth over your face while you were in the store for 15 minutes. Like, you weren't that horribly inconvenienced. You put a piece of cloth over your face, essentially. Right. So I don't, that, that I don't might be the main that. one. I think, um, okay, tell me what you think about this. I feel... I feel kind of similarly about that and um, a lot of complaints that people have about PC language, like, um, like, you're right, what's the big deal? It's not a big decision. It's not a decision with big consequences for you to just put that mask on. It's respectful for other people. If it makes other people feel comfortable, why not do it? And I feel like it's the same sort of mentality or the same sort of thinking behind like, you know, when people would complain about not using the n-word or people would complain about not using like certain derogatory statements it's like it's not that hard for you to just use different language and you're making other people feel a little bit more comfortable what's the big freaking deal you know why is this such a controversy um yeah I, I think we're so into our individual rights and we're so into being able to do whatever we want to do I wonder how much we forget that we're part of a society that are affected with other people that are being affected by our decisions. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know. All right. No, I, I agree with what you're saying when it's like, you know, it, it, it doesn't, the, the mass thing, certain, certain words. I mean, if it doesn't, like you say, it's like coexisting. It's sort of like, uh, I guess the, a good example would be if you live in a neighborhood and you're part of, you know, a homeowners, you know, association, you got to keep your lawn up just like everybody else is yeah. in the neighborhood. You can't just go on strike and say, you know what? I'm not going to cut my lawn because I don't right. feel like it because then you get fined. So that's right. how I liken to that. Because we live in a society. <laughs> yep. We live in a society. Yes. No, you have, you're absolutely there's, right. So, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was Sorry. just going to say, like, there's a lot of, um, there's a whole area in decision science that focuses on group decision making or um, decisions that are made um on behalf of a group as opposed to just for yourself. Like you're gonna make very different decisions for yourself as an individual than you would for um, you and your community or um, you know, you as in a relationship like with another person. Like your decision-making is gonna be very different. You're gonna have a lot of different influences and different end games. Um, I, think, I think the trick is too often we forget to think about who outside of our world, our bubble, is influenced by the choices that we make. And sometimes when we impact people outside of our bubble, our little you know, personal world with our choices, it does come back to hurt us. It does kind of come back to get us because we are part of this larger picture that we can't really forget. Right, so I like the way you articulate that. So um, just to remind everybody, so we're talking to Nika Kabiri. So Nika is like, I mean, the name of all the stuff that she's into is like, I mean, professor, author, so many different things that we're going to get into with her. So you can find her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Nika Kabiri. I'm going to put that on the screen so you can see that as well. She's got a book called Money Off the Table, Decision, Science, and the Secret to Smarter Investing. And you can check her out at her website at yournextdecision.com. Easy, I know uh, you got some questions for Nika. I see you over there writing, so I know you yeah, got some I got, Yeah, I got plenty. I, I've been writing as you've been talking. Um, so my actually i'm gonna jump to question two because we kind of we're talking about group decisions so how big of a role do you think the media plays into some of these bad decisions it's a great great question how how good can your decision be if you don't have good information right correct and that that's where a lot of bad decisions happen when we're not certain we don't have enough information and we aren't certain about what's going on and that not only forces us not to be able to analyze risk very well or you know, predict the future or predict the outcomes of, of each decision, but it also stresses us out because it, it kind of freaks, it makes us want to feel more in control and that leads to other 
bad kinds of uh, human glitches is what I call them. Like um, we might take mental shortcuts or we might feel impulsive and then we make bad decisions. The media is important because it's a source of information. And sometimes for a lot of things, like for COVID, for instance, it's been a primary source of information. If the media gets it wrong, then we're in a lot of trouble making the right choices. If the media gets it right and we ignore it because it doesn't fit with what we already believe, we can get in trouble and make a lot of bad choices. And that um, the behavioral science word for that is confirmation bias. When you already believe something deep in your heart, you're stuck to your beliefs. Like, I know that the coronavirus is um, a hoax. And then the news is telling you something different. We are, as humans, just a lot more likely to hang on to our beliefs than we are to be open to new information. We're just going to reject that. We're going to say, oh, that's the deep state. Oh, that's that's a, a conspiracy because it doesn't match what I believe. Now, different people do this to different degrees, but we all have that tendency to reject just automatically go, what, I'm wrong? I didn't, my beliefs aren't right. Um, so if even if the media gets it right, if if we're not open to new information, that could give us, um, get us in the, in the wrong direction. Um, social media is also a different kind of problem because the way that social media algorithms work, they they serve up or curate information in a particular way. So you only get what you already like, or you only, you know, you're likely to hear what you already believe. You're not open to, um, you're not forced to see or hear information that you don't necessarily want to see or hear. So that's that could be an issue too, where you know your news media feed or your news feed on your social media is just you know, crafted to tell you what you already want to know or what you already want to hear. Um, right. So there's not just the media being a problem. It's the way that we interpret the media, the way that we interpret that stuff. That's kind of a problem too. So my next question is more of, I guess, probably an opinion, but like you, you were talking about how you get information and make the right decisions. And I don't want to get into details about like, who your clients are, but I'm very interested to know, has any law enforcement agency reached out to you about teaching that kind of course? Because I feel like with everything going on in the world, when it comes to police brutality and everything like that, yeah. I feel like a class like yours or like a seminar would be very beneficial to like officers coming um, into the police academy. Yeah, I mean, I actually feel flattered that you would think that. I think I have a lot to share with them too. Um, for instance, I think one thing that really comes to mind is um, this idea that you know that we all go through what psychologists go hot call hot states and cold states. Like we all have periods in the day or in our in the week where we're kind of cool, we're calm, we're collected, we're rational, like right now, right? Um, and there are other times where we're with they, with emotionally aroused by fear. Oh, here's my cat. By fear, <laughs> by um, love, by um, uh, passion, by worry, by excitement, um, even sexual arousal. We can feel certain kind of aroused. I know this is kind of, I'm sorry about this, but we feel like hot. <laughs> we're in hot states, right? We're in hot states. And when we're in hot states, we don't behave the same way as we would as if we were cold and rational and cool. Like we don't make decisions the same way. Um, and police officers are in hot states all the time. So they're not gonna be thinking in rational ways when and there's, they're, they're in those hot states. Um, and, and sometimes they're, they're bi when you're in a hot state, your biases come out. You're not likely to think through things rationally. Um, what I don't understand is why, and maybe they are being trained this way and we just don't know it and it's just not working well, but why aren't police officers getting better trained at make at adjusting for the fact they're always in a hot state and learning training to themselves to make more rational decisions while in a hot state? Because I really do think that's possible. I think it's possible to kind of teach someone, hey, okay, this is an excited situation. You know, this I'm trying to arrest this person. They're talking back to me. Okay, what's the rational thing to do here? You know, what is the rational thing to do here? Um, there's got to be a way to, to kind of train them to do that. And on the other hand, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they're in the hot states more often than the people they're arresting. 
right? Right. Like they're professionally in a hot state. Why aren't they learning how to do that better? I don't really understand. But that's one example of where I wonder when I see what's going on in the world right now, why there isn't, why isn't there more thought about that? Like why isn't there more, why is that okay for an officer to be in a hot state and make a bad decision? We're okay. Like, why is society okay with that? That should not be okay. That's their job to make good decisions in those situations and they're failing. No, absolutely. And like our dad was in law enforcement for over two decades and he's one of the more laid back people you'll ever meet, but not everybody's like him. You know, he's been in a lot of crazy situations and you can just tell when he tells us the story, like it's just, it didn't phase him, but not everybody's like that. Yeah. So when you had mentioned that earlier, I was like, that would be a great class for like law enforcement. So I was wondering if you had ever been reached out to about that because I, I think it would be very beneficial. If you know somebody, let me know. It's really, that's where I feel like, that's where I feel like, I mean, I'll just, my clients are businesses with money right. spend on me. And um, what I mean is like, it's extra money. Like it's to hire somebody to help you make good decisions is not like the first thing that people usually think of when they're running a business. They're thinking of hiring an accountant, hire a lawyer, hire, you know, employees, whatever. Um, but that's not where I feel like the best good in decision science comes from. I don't think that I'm going to change the world helping, you know, the Amazons and the Microsofts of the world sell more stuff. I think helping teaching law enforcement or even going into middle schools or and teaching you know kids how to make better choices um with their lives um affect like going to you know i don't know just there are all, all sorts of places that these things could these sorts of um lessons could help but um I don't yeah know. especially like i know you had mentioned middle school like i think if you get to them while they're young that could help knock out some of that confirmation confirmational bias you were talking about you know yeah. some of these um perceptions and feelings that these kids might have been influenced by you know growing up about certain types of people right right but i don't know um, can i ask you guys a question yeah sure do you think do you think most people um are open to being told to make about how to make better decisions because i wonder if people feel like they're comf like they're hey man i know what i'm doing i can i made choices my whole life i don't need you to come and tell me how to make choices no to answer your question frankly no i don't <laughs> like <laughs> um no, especially in corporate america which is why i'm interested which is why it intrigues me that that's a good bit of your clientele because i feel like I feel like they would listen to you, but at the same time, I, I just feel like with businesses, they're going to do whatever they want anyway. Yeah. What about, what about, I think, yeah, no comment on that. Cause I have clients. I can't say. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Right. <laughs> but like, what about regular people? Like, what about like the, you know, police departments or schools, or if I went to schools and told teachers, like, you got to make better decisions in the classroom. You know, you can't, you can't treat your students like, a, like they're criminals or you can't treat your students like they're never going to learn or you you know these aren't the right decisions to make i don't know if they'll be open to that I, I think the older people get the further away you get from being trying to influence them in a certain way what do you mean that I, I just feel like it's harder to change people's mindsets the older they get because yeah you know you just you're used to a certain way for X amount of years. And it's like, now somebody's trying to tell you, no, that's not right. You know, or, and eh, you probably haven't been thinking about this right, you know, for the last 20 years. Like. You've wasted your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like human, human intuition's <laughs> like, wait, hold up. No, this is what I know. Like, how can you tell me that that's not right? You know? So I, I just feel like the younger the younger you can get to them, the better chance you have of like, you know, trying to help them have an open mind to things. All right, M16, what do you think? Well, I, I was going to say that it was kind of leading into the next question that I had before we got to the book was in, in terms of pushback, because 
it's very rare that you can get out an opinion to somebody without them saying, hey, but wait, or how about this? So what's the pushback from people who believe rhetoric? And it could be an example of anything, but they believe the rhetoric and they don't want to listen to someone like you, even though you're an expert and you got numbers to back you up. What's the pushback? What, what do you usually hear from folks like that? Um, that they have basically they don't put down or try to criticize my credentials. They puff themselves up a little bit. Like they'll say, well, I've done all this research. That's what I hear a lot. I've done all this research or I have all this experience. You don't have my experience. You haven't seen what I've seen. So it's sort of a one up of and I have it like I have it. You're a professor. I know. But OK, here's an example. Um, about two week, a week or two ago, there was a guy who wanted me on his podcast, um, an African-American guy, if you can believe it. He wanted me on there to explain to his audience why people can't just believe how great Trump is and how um, Derek Chauvin is innocent. And I sat there on the phone with him for an hour trying to get him to see the light in a way, trying to get him to see beyond just his opinions. And I have no idea why, where he got there, how he got there. Um, but he has, he told me, this is what he told me. I have done, a, I, all I do all day is do read, do the research. All I do all day is look at the facts and the data and the information. And he'll set, he sent me links to what he's looked at. And I've never seen those, that information. I mean, it was, it was an, Genuine. It was fake, right? I don't have, but it's still information I need in order to make a full, a fully informed decision. And I had, you have to vet it. You have to, you know, like, okay, here's this kid. He's pimply faced. He's like sitting, you know, sitting in his basement and he's like making some crazy argument. And it's not really based on fact. It's not rational, but it's compelling. And it's kind of, um, I don't know. It's like soap opera y, you know, you're like, really? I can't wait what's to hear what's next. And I, you know, that he's right. I don't, I've never seen that stuff. I don't pay attention to that stuff. I don't have all the facts he has. So, but he doesn't. Yeah. That's, that's just an example of what I hear. It's he can, he can say, I haven't seen this. I haven't read that. I haven't. And, and I, whatever I say won't matter. It won't matter. It didn't matter. You said something with that because like my brother was saying, well, sometimes when some people are so entrenched in it, they're willing to sell out everything they know because they're they're so, you know, they're just hell bent on saying, no, no, this is what I believe in, this is what I know, and you can't change my mind on it. And then you can never get anywhere. You just go around in a circle the whole time and never get anywhere. Hundred percent. But you explain to me how does somebody get there? How does it? How does a young African American get man get to where he could actually believe that George Floyd didn't? didn't die of anything but his own drug addiction was, you know, that Derek Chauvin's behavior was absolutely fair. I, I, I don't understand that. It could be I somebody mean, that don't believe in racism. It's possible that there, there are some people out there who believe that everything is down the middle and that people are just making up the fact that systematic racism doesn't exist. And they've told themselves that and they believe that that's true. And they're saying, well, the police are here to protect us, which in theory, yes, they are. I mean, EZ said it. Our father was a police officer for two decades there. You, you know, if I talk to my daughter, she feels like the police are here to help me. And that's how it should be. But in cases when you start talking about minorities, it, it's not always the case with that. So he might be somebody who doesn't believe that that's actually true or hasn't experienced it for himself yet. And there's nothing you could do to explain to somebody who doesn't feel that it affects them. Yeah, for me, I'm I'm intrigued by his background. I want to know his story. Like before I even get into the, you know, the argument or the debate about that whole thing, like I'm interested in his story. Like what was his upbringing? You know, uh, what part of the country did, you know, he, he was raised in, you know, did I, I'm just interested in that because like me growing up in the deep south, you know, I went to high school. Well, really, almost all of my schools were majority white. And I heard a lot of that different rhetoric that I didn't hear at home. So, you know, was it one of those things where 
he just agree more with his friends or, you know, is that something that, you know, he was told at home? I'm just very interested to know his background yeah. because um, to me, this sounds like somebody that probably doesn't live up north or on the West Coast. This sounds like somebody that might be from the South. So I'm just very interested to kind of see what his upbringing was, you know, what type of friends did he hang around, that type of thing, because... You know, like it, it's just it's just different when you grow up with a lot of people of different races because you get introduced to different opinions. And, you know, I'm just speaking from experience. So I'm not going to sit there and say it's for everybody. But like, you know, me, like I would go to my friend's house and there's a lot of white people there. And they're saying how they feel about something. And sometimes you just kind of have to be like, OK. <laughs> Because you know you're in a corner, not real realistically, but you're kind of in a corner by yourself because you don't agree with the rhetoric, but you're like, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to cause a controversy, and then it's like nine-on-one. So I'm very interested to see if that he had a lot of interactions like that growing up or that I'm just, yeah, I'm intrigued by his background and anything. Yeah. I don't think that's something that happened overnight. I think you're probably right. I think you're right. It's just so, really I'm gonna say, Nico, we could this subject right here, we could stay on it forever. But I wanted to kind of yeah. I wanted to ask you about your book because we could, like I said, this here, this part, my brother tell you when we start talking about this stuff, I start yeah. getting triggered, yeah. we start going into it. But um got so two book, more questions money off after the table. The book. Okay. Money off the table. Um, can you talk about what the writing process was for that? And did it meet or exceed your expectations on what you thought? doing a book would be um ah that's a good question i just want to start by saying i never think anything i do is good enough so i didn't think it exceeded my expectations as far as the work that i did and knowing your job you probably write a lot so <laughs> I, I, yeah and it i in my head it also it's all like not good enough the process no. are you guys interested in writing a book is that why probably never take on that that task i might be able to dictate to someone else to help me out if that's the case but i could never just i'm intrigued by it but i'm not i guess yeah. i don't have a, a topic to fully commit to but it's something i've thought about right um i think it was not as the process of writing it like putting a book together felt a lot more um daunting and kind of scary and overwhelming than it actually was if you really have something, I mean, to your point, easy, if you really have something to say, like that you're committed to saying, if you have a message to send to the world, then it's just a matter of having the discipline to structure it well, you know, outline the chapters fine, and then do the work to write it. Um, and in my head before, you know, we, we started writing this book, me and my partner, my co-author, Tony, it just felt like, oh, like this seems like a, a book. It's a big deal. Um, but at the end, it's just a, a bunch of thoughts, ideas that you've structured really well so that people can follow along. And it's like writing, you know, multiple papers that fit together. And that wasn't, it wasn't as hard as I thought that would be. I think for me, the hardest thing is that I don't care about investing. I don't know much about investing like that, that information. And it's a book about investing. So I had to rely on Tony and I had to really understand what he was saying because a lot of the stuff I didn't. So I had to really study this subject that I, I wasn't interested in. That to me was the hardest thing. So if I would give any advice, it's just um, make sure your heart's in it. Make sure it's something you really love and you want to say. Because if it, it's not like the book is impossible. Otherwise, it's just much harder to write. So when you were in, in school, um, I, I'm assuming you have your PhD or even in your master's program. Um, did you have to like write a thesis? Yep. I wrote a thesis and then a dissertation. Yeah. And it, it in was your in graduate school. Okay. Um, how would you compare the two between writing a thesis and then writing a book? It sounds like the thesis might've been easier for you. Dude, nobody ever asked me that. And I always wondered why doesn't anybody ever ask me that question? Because it's kind of it's it's similar, but it's not similar. Okay, so here's the, the big difference is, is that my dissertation in graduate school, it was a book, 
but they kind of tell you what they guide you. They tell you what needs to be in the book or how it should be structured. And your audience is like five people who are in your committee and they're guiding you along and then they're judging you at the end. So, um, it does it with the book with the money off the table book it's you're writing this thing on your own no one's telling you along the way if you're on the right track and then when it's all over with everybody gets to read it which is kind of because if it sucks then you know that's not it's that's, printed it's screwed, not, you know. <laughs> you're, you're exposed yeah, that, yeah. that's the most if i've ever thought about going back to school that's the most daunting thing about going back now i mean it is hella expensive but the fact that I would have to write like a 200, 300 word, I mean, page thesis on something just freaks yeah. me the hell out. That's why it takes like five or six years. That's why people take so long. And there are, you know, it's possible. I didn't pay to go to, to graduate school. I actually got really lucky. There, um, It's possible for anyone out there who wants to like go back to graduate school, go back to school. There are programs where um, if you get accepted, they'll they'll give you um, a waiver for your tuition and pay you a little stipend if you work, like if you work as a teacher's assistant or teach classes or something to kind of offset the costs. So I actually got paid, I don't know, I think I made like $15,000 a year. It's not much, but yeah, you get, you're pretty broke. I mean, you're, you can be, but you don't have to be in debt. So that's an option. Case. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, the, the um, anyway, <laughs> no, it's not, it's hard. It is hard. You said you had a, you had another question too? Yeah, I got, I got two more. So, um, so how do we get better about deciphering between fact and opinion? Because I feel like today's culture, we're just very, opinionated we're we got a we're a lot of we're a lot more touchy-feely about things and we get offended when research and facts are presented and it's like hey 16 is not giving you an opinion he's telling you facts like how do we get better about that as like a society i i i'm not asking you to you know solve the world's problems but i just feel like that's something that thanks <laughs> Uh, I'm having a hard time because there's we each have we each have to take some level of responsibility for for doing this and as individuals our responsibility is to be aware of our biases um for instance, confirmation bias is one. Just because you believe something doesn't mean that new facts can't change those beliefs. It doesn't mean you were wrong. It just doesn't. It just means that there wasn't enough information to make the right decision. Um, and it's on us to recognize. Okay, I can't. I can't do this because that's gonna. It's gonna lead me down the wrong path. Another thing that people do. It's called the illusion of validity in behavioral science. It's just a fancy word for saying that because it's just because something sounds like it makes sense, we tend to believe that it's actually accurate. It's true. Like if it sounds possible, it sounds feasible, like, yeah, you know, it could, it could make sense that, you know, that Derek Chauvin was, you know, just subduing George Floyd. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. George Floyd was on drugs. It kind of makes sense, but that doesn't mean it's true. And sometimes people take that leap just because all the, the, the pieces seem to fit together, they take that leap. Um, another thing that people do is just look for connections between things because we hate uncertainty. We hate things to be random. We hate for things to just happen for no reason. We need there to be a cause and an effect for everything that happens because then we have control over it. That, we, that way we can understand it and have some sort of control over our lives. But that doesn't mean that those connections are accurate. Just because we see them doesn't mean it's accurate. Um, so we just have to, there's tons of these things, you know, and I, in, in the book, chapter two of my book just covers a bunch of these things where you can just make all these bad decisions. Um, and a lot of them have to do with not understanding how we are interpreting facts and not recognizing fact from fiction. Um, but 
that's on us. And that's almost easier to do than it is to get other people to do that stuff. Like how do you, my, my struggle is how do I get other people to want to recognize that they're susceptible to all these biases. And the reason that's hard is because there's, and this is again, human brain, human nature, we are likely to believe that we know more than we actually know and that we can do more than we actually can do. And it's something we all tend to do. And there's research that backs this up that we, for instance, if you ask the average person, if they're a really good driver, if they're, are you better driver than, than average? Most will say, yeah, most will say I'm a better driver than average, but by definition, live in Atlanta. yeah, <laughs> right. Or Houston or Seattle or, um, but by definition, like you can't be most people can't be better than average because average is where most people are supposed to be. Like average is where everybody is supposed to, everybody kind of like, so, um, but we all think we're better drivers than we really are. Um, there is a study done where they asked college professors, are you um, better or worse than your peers? And 94% say that we're better than their peers. And these are college professors that should know statistics and should understand that the right answer right. is, oh, I'm about average because most people are about average. But we all think we're better, we know more. And so it's hard to get some, it's hard to get somebody else to change their minds. It's hard to get somebody else to, to, it's like, the only way I know is to keep on doing what I'm doing, keep writing, keep doing podcasts, keep talking and keep telling people that, hey, you know, we all do this. Nobody's stupid, nobody's an idiot, nobody's dumb. We all, all are all just human. And at some point we got information that was probably not right. And we're making snap judgments and we feel too overconfident and we're all doing this at the same time. So let's at the same time, get our crap together and make better choices. Um, but I don't know how else to do it. It's kind of a long winded answer to say, to say, I don't know, but that's, that's my answer. No, that's good. I mean, that, it makes sense. It's tough, man. It's so tough. I mean, I'm sure you've got had a lot of conversations with people yourselves, a lot on this podcast, even probably that where, you know, you just can't get through. You can't get through to them. You don't know why they won't see, won't even entertain your point of view. Um, yeah, it's not easy. No, that, that happens a lot. We try to maneuver it somehow. Easy to step on you, man. Did you have one more? Yeah, my last one, um, kind of, it's a little funny, but uh, I'm very interested to know, um, what's, what's one conspiracy that people have been keeping alive for way too long that just needs to just go away, needs to go flat to hell, wherever earth, it needs to the go? The flat earth theory. The earth <laughs> is not flat. It's not freaking flat. It's just not. <sighs> It's a perfect example because when you tell these people that the earth is round, they will not believe you. They will not freaking believe you. There's a great documentary on Netflix about this. I think it's called Beyond the Curve. You guys should watch it. Beyond the Curve. About the flat earth, uh, the flat earthers. Yeah, we, uh, we, um, we had a, a guest who was, he's very um, well-spoken uh, about the subject and um how do I put it? Like he was a great guest. Like, you know, he let us know his case and everything that was about it. And we, and we listen, you know, we try not to disrespect anybody that comes on. So we just, you know, we wanted to hear the side of how they feel about it. And it's very strong. I mean, we had like on YouTube, we had like beef in the comments because folks was going at it with each other about, they feel one way about another. And it was, it was, it was crazy. But um, so you said, that's the biggest one that you, that you come across. Um, it's my opinion, one that's, there's enough evidence right now that it's just gotta go. Like, it's just gotta go. And smart people believe it. I'm, I'm not saying they're dumb. I'm not, I'm not putting them down. It's just beautiful, smart, intelligent, wonderful, curious, caring, passionate people who are good people in the world are believing, are spending their energy believing this and perpetuating this and pushing this um, and it's just not, tr it's just not true. You know, there's so many to choose from. I just had to ask. What are yours? What are yours? <laughs> Tell me, what are yours? I, I, um, one comes to mind for me 
real quick is that somehow Corona was uh, Corona to to like hurt Trump or whatever or you know it's just made it's just made up. But we've got like we're closing in on what six hundred thousand people that have passed away from this yeah. from this uh, disease. So yeah, that would be the main thing that somehow this deadly disease is ma is made up somehow that that one is is one for me that is a complex hoax when you have all of these people in on it right where they're like yes. literally dying just to keep this coax alive yeah like, yes <laughs> it's far that's out there one. actually that's better than the flat earth because yeah like people yeah the consequences of believing that are really really serious like it's yes. cute if people believe the earth is flat but it's not cute when people believe the cover that covid's a hoax yeah i agree yes, did you have one yeah. I think for me, it's just this whole thing that the government's watching us and, um, you know, the government just wants every detail about everything that we have going on. For me, that, that that's the one. Um, there's way too many people in the U.S. for the government to really give a flying F about what each of us are doing. Um, are there things in place where they monitor certain people because they could be threats? Absolutely. <laughs> but yes. I think that the government has enough intel to know the difference between the three of us and a legitimate uh, threat to yeah. our security. Interesting. So, easy, so you're saying that uh, Mike, Mike in Michigan, who was playing Call of Duty, is concerned that the FBI is looking at him, but nobody's checking for Mike from Michigan because he's, yeah, my, he's yeah, not Yeah, Mike a in threat. Michigan, um, what, what's the one you use all the time? Uh, Jeff from Des Moines, he's concerned because the new traffic camera at the light is tracking his license plate and, you know, trying to figure out where he's right. going. No, no, Jeff, the, the camera's literally there to make sure you're not going seven miles over the speed limit. Like, it's just not. Right. So there's there's a there's another um, behavioral economics phenomenon called the spotlight effect. This is like, um, this is where we think people are paying attention to us more than they actually are. So they did studies, for instance, where people wore t-shirts out in public that were kind of embarrassing. I don't remember what was on the shirt. It was just kind of embarrassing or not who not something they would comfortably wear. And then they would ask, you know, other people, okay, so what was on this person's t-shirt and nobody would remember, but the person wearing the t-shirt was so self-conscious because they thought everybody was noticing. I think that we all kind of, I think people like, was it Jeff and Mike? Is that who you're, are these real people? Yeah, yeah. you got Jeff and Des Moines no. and then Mike and Michigan. Those are just like, our, our, our people. Okay. Like, they're, they're generic yeah. names that we use for examples. Yeah. Like, oh, well, you know, Kevin in accounting, nobody cares what, what he's doing. We just make up these. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Mike and, you know, Kevin and Jeff and all those guys, like, they might just be thinking people, like, I don't know if it's importance or self-consciousness, um, but yeah, it, the fact that they think people are paying attention when they're not really paying that much attention. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. But you should watch, there's another Netflix documentary I just saw called Coded Bias, which is really, really interesting because the government might not be paying attention the um, as close attention to every single person, but now their um, computer algorithms and artificial intelligence has gotten to the point where it's making decisions. It's not really watching, but it's making, did I freeze out for a second? I didn't freeze out. No, uh, okay. not on my end. Okay, that, um, that these algorithms are making decisions that could be that could be racially biased, that that aren't what I think Jeff and Mike are worried about, but are worth worrying about. So, I mean, yeah, no, that that is one thing that creeps me out. Yeah, is that you know we're giving these robots um, human capabilities and things like that. I'm not down with that whatsoever. And the people programming these machines that are writing these algorithms and this code when they are biased, when they're racially biased and the code becomes racially biased. And then you assume because it's like a, a computer or it's math or it's, you know, it's science that it's, there's no bias. That's not the right assumption to make. That becomes really scary. And that, 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 that documentary just sort of shows where that, how that plays out. It's pretty, pretty disgusting actually. It's more, to me, that's more scary than like nuclear war. <laughs> it's really, you know, <laughs> I think I have to say here, but we have um, 
I have one more thing I want to get to, and then we have a um, a little game that we do with our our guests here Uh-oh. to kind of loosen things up, even though we've been loose here. But um, you're absolutely uh, excellent guest, totally brilliant with the things Thank that you, you have to say. So we enjoyed talking to you. So if we missed anything, I mentioned earlier about where we can find you online. But do you have any upcoming projects, or if I missed anywhere where you're online, can you please let us know so we can have that out there? Yeah, so um, I have a website called yournextdecision.com. Um, and I, okay, I'll just be really honest with you. I don't feel like it's perfect yet. It's not right, but because everything I do isn't good enough. But um, if you subscribe and it gets better, I will send you newsletters with updates um, a lot along the lines of what I'm saying, like tips on how to improve your life, an advice column here or there. Um, yournextdecision.com would be a good place to go. And then just follow me on Twitter at Nika Kabiri. Nice. And we're gonna, all that's going to be in the description. And I'm also going to plaster that in the on the video as well okay. to, to have that out there. Thanks. So, yeah, no problem. So we've, we've had a conversation that was, it was serious, but, you know, we had, we had mixed in a little humor. Now we're going to actually get into a little bit of humor. So we got this thing that we do. All right, no, don't be scared. We're gonna <laughs> learn some stuff about you here. Right. So it's called Don't At Me. And so basically what Don't At Me is that I'm gonna ask you a, a, a few questions. Uh, perfect example I like to use is, okay, Nika, do you like Coke or Pepsi? You would say, if you like Pepsi, you say Pepsi, don't at me. Like you're on, on Instagram saying, this is my opinion, don't at me, that's it. So you just okay. answer the question and say, don't at me. Okay. All right. Gotcha. I'm interested to know uh, some of these also with my brother too, because he probably got to jump in on this too. All right. So when it comes to eating wings, so eating wings, what do you prefer? uh, Flats or drums? Oh, man. I think flats. Don't at me. All right. Easy. What about you, man? Flats. Don't at me. All right. So I'm going to cheat my own game and say, whichever ones you put down in front of me, that's what I'm eating. Don't at me. But if I had to choose one, it would be it would be flats though. It's something about those. It just they're good. It's no debate. It's no debate. Chris, they're crispy, but, right? They're just crispy. And and you but it's chicken. You can't go wrong with either one of them, I feel like. Alright. Here's the next one. So when you're listening to Spotify or Apple, whatever your music service is. So do you listen to your playlist on shuffle, Nika, or do you just listen to it in order? Can I say it depends? Don't at me. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what's the what's the qualifier on that? So if I'm like working out, it's um, or if I like have music in the background, it's on shuffle. But sometimes I actually just want to listen to like it like an album from start to finish. I that's, I just want to sit and just listen, and then I I can't you know shuffling is not you got to hear the whole thing the way the entire artist intended. Don't at me. Yes. I love the enthusiasm. Easy, what about you, man? You shuffle or are you listening to Um, I'm with Nika. I think it just depends on the situation. But I'm the opposite of her, though, because like when I'm working out, I feel like there's some songs I need at the beginning, and there's some songs I need at the end, you know, like to kind of, it's like a certain cadence with those. But like an album, I, I actually shuffle it up. I won't listen in order. I'll just uh, just just let it play out. Okay. All right. So for me, the one thing was I was never a shuffle person. And now that we're sort of in this, you know, I, we're kind of coming out of it, but with the pandemic, you're not doing as much going places that you normally would. So I was more of a shuffle person in the car. But if I'm like at home and I'm listening to someone or if I'm listening to Alexa, whatever way it is, I'll just listen to it that way. So I'll just say that I listen to it in order. Don't at me just based on the fact that I do it more listening in order. All right, so we were alluding to this earlier, Nika, about kind of like driving. So what's what what's more annoying, a slow driver or a sporadic driver? Oh, man. Oh, you know what? I think a sporadic driver is more annoying. Don't at me. And because you can figure out how to get around a slow driver, but you have, I have no idea how to predict what a sporadic driver is going to do to get around them and just leave them behind me. Like, that's just, it's hard. Good answer. Easy, what about you, man? Uh, sporadic, because 
everybody in Atlanta <laughs> doesn't drive slow. They're sporadic. Don't are, you, are, you, are you both in Atlanta? Yes. Mm-hmm. Home of the bad traffic. For, for me, uh, let's see, slow driver or sporadic? It's definitely sporadic because a slow driver, I'll never had the opportunity to be behind him. My brother will tell you, because he's been in the car with me many, many times, that um, I have a thing with, um, I can go a little um, fast. Is that fair, easy? Yeah, he thinks he thinks he drives a Ford Mustang or something, but. What does he drive? What do you drive? Are you allowed, can you say? I got a, I, just a, a Hyundai Elantra, so, you know. Not like I'm tearing up the road, but it can he's uh, he's had this look over there in the passenger seat before. Like we'd like to make it there, you know, in one piece. If you'd like to just pay attention, yeah, to I, just, I just I just didn't know if the you know if it was the, if he had you know pumped it up. If it was a V8, and I just didn't know that they sold it in that kind, or if it was still a four cylinder. A V8 up in here in his head. Up here. Yeah, I think that's what it is. That's what it is. A V8 yeah, that's still very spread. efficient on gas. Yes, but it's it's definitely sporadic though. The slow driver, he'll I'll never see the slow driver because I would have passed him up, and it's a football oh. field behind. I'm gone. Yeah. So up here in Seattle, it's just slow drivers, like slow drivers. It's annoying. You you think that drivers are bad in Atlanta? I I grew up in Houston, and I thought the same thing. Just sporadic. They're all oh my the god, Houston, Jesus, it's crazy. Christ. And then I moved up here, and I just almost wished for Houston drivers because at least they were moving. <laughs> like at least they were, you know, they were like we were all going. But here it's yeah, everybody in Houston thinks they're in NASCAR, right? And yeah, then you like, never know where they're going to start shooting guns out the window if you like piss them off. That's the other thing that's going yeah. on. Oh my oh. gosh, good old, good, good old Texas for you. Uh-huh. The right to bear arms. All right, <laughs> here's the next one, Nika. Um, so is it pronounced vase or vibes? Don't you think vase just sounds kind of like stuck up? I it's say very bourgeois. Yeah. yeah, I say vase. Don't at me. Yeah. Vase just you? sounds like I should be. Ha- I should have a cigarette holder or like a cigar, yeah. like a pipe or patches <laughs> on. I don't my- know who. I don't know who's gonna be the guest that pisses you off one day when they say the opposite that nobody says. But I hope it's soon because <laughs> oh. you, <laughs> you you've done this on a few words and everybody that has picked the normal one. But we're gonna get yes. to one person that's gonna say the unorthodox one. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. So how do you guys say the thing? You know, when you have wrinkled shirts and you like try to straighten it out, how do you say that word? Oh, so you ironing? Say it again. Ironing. Iron. Yeah. Yeah. See, I've always said iron because I like spell it iron. out. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I don't know. It annoys me when people say iron because I'm like, that's not how it's spelled. Mm. But everybody says iron. iron. Everybody says. I think it. that's. The, I think that's the scholar in you. Is it? I think it's. Yeah, I, I thought it was so. because English is my second language because I came here um, when I was two from Iran and I had to learn English from scratch and maybe I learned it the wrong way. That's what I. Th- I don't know. Maybe it's a scholar in me. Anyway. I don't know. I may have to borrow that. Qu- I may have to borrow that question for a future don't at me and see what comes comes out of it and uh, see how that works. <laughs> Somewhere in the universe, there's a person who says it the way I say it. And, and, and they're, they're and they're lurking in the bushes, like my brother <laughs> said, waiting to make me angry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what what about you, Easy Man? Is it is it vase or vase? Of course it's vase. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> All right. For, for me, it is vase, but like if I've got my um, like my wife some flowers, I'll mess with her and say, you know, I got you this beautiful vase. Knowing full well that's not how you say it, but I'm just doing that just to be annoying. Well, it sounds more expensive. Like you bought her a more expensive gift if you say yes. that. Yeah. 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 Instead like of getting it from beautiful. Instead of yeah. getting it from Safeway, you got yeah, it from right. the antique store. Right. Right. Yes. Vase. Yeah. Yes. All right. So Nick, we got the last one here for you, and this is an all-important one. This is earth-shattering right here. Oh God. Okay. Okay. So which one is better? High C fruit punch or high C orange? Oh, um, fruit punch. Don't at me. It's Ooh. got it's the it's the fruit punch. I don't know. I'm I'm always as long as I've been, I've, I've had memory. Fruit punch has just been my flavor. Sorry. 
All right, let's see. Let's go around the room and see here. Easy, what about you, man? I, I got a feeling you might be going one way, but you shocked me in the past. Uh, high seat orange, don't at me. Yes. So How? How is that possible? Why? Fruit punch is so much better. I feel like there yeah, are better all the fruit, fruit punches out there. What's, oh, okay. High seat orange is, to me, it's the staple. I don't think anybody makes an orange flavored drink like that one. So, okay. yes, it's orange to me. Yeah, for me, and I'm so glad too that McDonald's got their head together and they're bringing it back. Thank goodness. So yes, yeah, it's high sea orange. Um, it's not that fruit punch is bad. It'll just be like if you order and say, "Hey, I want high sea uh, orange." I'm like, "Oh, we only got fruit punch." And it's like, "Well, okay, I can deal with fruit punch, but I would have really preferred <laughs> the orange." But that's okay. We'll deal with the fruit punch. So let me throw. Okay, so Nika, you're playful. Let me throw in a bonus here. I want to mess with my brother. All right. So you sit down. You about to have you a nice PB and J, strawberry or grape? Oh man, no, I can't decide. I can't decide. That's no, please, food, please, we need you to. Thing. No, no, we need you to. Okay, then it's great. If I have ah, to. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like my brother, my brother acts like, my brother acts like when I brought the grape is the best thing to the table, like this was, you know, like your lessons. Oh no, nobody eats grape. It's definitely <laughs> strawberry. And several uh, people since have been like, yeah, it's great. And sorry. Thank sorry. you. Thank you for adding you're to that. Well, you're welcome. My pleasure. I'm sorry. 16. Uh, I, I have to say it for purposes that strawberry to me is king. But the best way to enjoy strawberry jam is to throw it right in the trash. But I tell you what, <laughs> the one thing that we are. Wait, strawberry not needs to go in the trash, right? No, it's great that it needs to go in there. But I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you one thing that was great and it wasn't a surprise at all that we already knew that it was fun playing don't at me with nika kabir she was playful with us with this nonsense and we definitely appreciate you on that one so like i said nika, you are a you're an excellent guest absolutely uh brilliant in your answers and your thought process um feel like a connection has been made here and we would yeah. love to make you a friend of the show and uh come back and talk to us you know on a regular basis I'd love that. That would be fun. I loved your questions. I really did. Thank I you. got one more question because the um, the college kid in me want, wants to know, um, are you the teacher that gives bonus points at the end of the semester or you're stuck like Chuck? <sighs> okay, here's what annoys me. Here's what annoys me. When a student slacks or doesn't do the work or even if something comes up during the quarter, and they don't tell me, they don't tell me until their final grade gets put in. And then they say, can I get bonus points? Then I'm like, nope, nope, sorry. But if like, if you know, you have some life tragedy or you're having a hard time when, when it's happening and you come to me and you say, Hey, I need some help. Can I get an extension? Can I do extra credit? At that point, I'm totally open to it, but don't wait, don't wait till the last minute because that's just not being on top of your, your, I don't can I swear on the show? It's not being on top of your you stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, can you gotta be on top of your shit. I mean, as a Thank student, you. I've got to go. be on top of your own shit. Would and then you, I would you say that your your class is re relatively hard or easy? Because a lot of the pushback I hear from like teachers about giving bonus bonus points is that they're like, my class is not even that hard anyway. Like I shouldn't have to give you yeah. bonus points at the end. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of teachers teach what they teach so much that they think everybody knows what they know already. They don't remember what yeah. it was like when it was new to them. Um, I don't. OK, honestly, I don't care about grades and I don't think students should care about grades because you don't it, they're not really a measure of who you are, how smart you are. They're a measure of what you remember. But um, I don't think learning for a grade is really the way to learn. So I don't really take it that seriously. Don't tell my students this, but I don't really grade that seriously. I give comments really seriously. Like when I see their papers or whatever, I will tell them exactly where they went wrong. But as far as the final grade though goes, they can all get an A, I don't care. Cause that's not, that's not where you learn. So but I guess it depends on my mood. <laughs> if I had well, a bad day, if I have a bad day, they're all gonna fail. Yeah, Sorry. peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> with grape jelly yeah. in it. You know, that type of thing. 
if I have to have icy orange. Because why? Okay, here's yeah. what I get. Why drink an orange drink when you can have orange juice? That's why. That's why I don't like orange drinks because my I crave orange juice, and orange drinks will never will never measure up for me. Okay, I just had to throw that in there. I'll drop it. No, no, no. no. I, it's, it's I, I just think it's it's kind of funny because like, not no flavored drink tastes like what the fruit drink supposed to taste like. But fruit punch is like by nature artificial. It's like supposed to be artificial. Right. You know. <laughs> but we will we'll drink up either one anyway. So I wanted to put out there again so you can catch you can find Nika on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Nika Kabiri. It'll yes. be magically right there on the screen. The book Money Off the Table, Decision Science and the Secret to Smarter Investing. And please do not forget her website, yournextdecision.com. Nika, again, a pleasure. Thank you Dang. so much for the time. And we just look forward to the next time so we can continue our discussion. But it was great. Same. Same. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Easy. Another aftermath in the book. She was excellent. How you feel? Uh, I need I need to sign up for one of her classes. Maybe she's teaching a, a certification or something, man. I feel like I need to learn how to make better decisions. Well, I tell you what, man, I'm definitely gonna sign up for her newsletter through the website. So yeah, man. So like I said, another one uh, in the in the books. Um, definitely enjoyed talking to Nika. Don't you know? Make sure and get her information from the, uh, the podcast description, the YouTube description, and uh, check out what she has going on. A lot of interesting things. A lot of smart things going on there. I, I will say, um, this whole time I thought your shirt said Doge, um, but it says Dope. It does. And on that note, I think we should just go ahead and end it here. So we're going to wave to the camera and tell everybody, appreciate you for listening, and we'll check you out soon. Thanks for watching, listening, however you're doing it, the radio show, The Aftermath. We appreciate it.